It's the RU Review, sponsored by Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. Game number seven, Rutgers at home against Minnesota. We'll look at that game. We'll look back at the dreadful trip to Indiana. We'll talk about the coaching search. We have James Cratch from NJ Advanced Media on the line. But first, a word from Zebra Pen. When seeking to find your path to enlightened writing, look to Zebra Pen for products that deliver on style, function, and value. Find Zen in your pen. Zebra Pen. Find us at your local retailer or online at zebrapen.com. And follow us on social media. We're back on the RU Review. We're happy to welcome James Cratch from NJ Advanced Media. James, thanks for taking some time with us. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, let me bring up uh, one of a hundred concerns I have for uh, for Rutgers program right now, James, and only because it's it, this is the most immediate. And, and I was just saying, you know, last week, you know, at least Campanile has a week of preparation where we don't have to deal with red shirting and all that stuff. He knows what's going on. He knows who he's got on the field, and he's got a week to prepare. And they were actually worse, James. They were worse. Yeah. So that was the concern. And, and my, how do you have one yard passing? I mean, you guys brought it up on your podcast. I mean, if you're going to be bad, don't be all time bad. I mean, Deadspin picked this up. I mean, one yard passing. How can you not complete a pass? I mean, they completed five passes, which, which is the amazing part. You know, I, I, you know, like the college sports reference when you pulled up the, you know, how many times the, you know, since 2000 teams had one yard pass and zero or negative. And a lot of times it was, you know, mostly triple option teams, but teams that threw one, you know, had two passes tests in the game or one or three, um, complete five passes and then attempt 13 and it still only finished with one yard. Uh, it's just a staggering, staggering number. And, and I just think it's the bottom line is this, is that they don't really have the personnel at this point to run anything. Now that Art Sikowski's redshirting and Raheem Blackshear's redshirting, and I, I think you know last against um, Maryland, I think they, they hit, obviously threw for like 160 yards or so. But I was talking to you know a coaching source um, you know outside of Rutgers, and he said you know Maryland's not terribly well coached. Indiana's very well coached, mm-hmm. and the teams left on their schedule. Especially in the conference, yeah. are very well coached. So I think this could be a sign of things to come. That you know, they maybe were able to. I know you mentioned that they didn't have that full week of preparation going to the Maryland game, but no one had seen what Nunzio Campanelli was planning to run. Now people have seen two weeks of it on tape, and I have a feeling that as the talent level increases as for the opponents and the amount of you know film there is on this offense on Johnny Langan it's just going to get more and more difficult for Rutgers to have a competent passing attack, which is a scary thought when you consider they've already thrown for one yard in the game. Well, Langan comes over from BC and they wanted to convert him. So from quarterback to tight end, and we can see why, I mean, he really isn't a, a quarterback in the true sense of the word. And then they get hurt by the, and I'm going to, say it i mean uh, you know sidkowski when he leaves when he decides that i'm gonna redshirt um and and he's joined by uh, another teammate i mean i think you know those guys were turncoats and i think the the atmosphere in that room has just got to be absolutely horrible um campanile seems to be 
over his head. He doesn't have the personnel. Chris Ash didn't have the personnel, and he's got a few more stripes on his shoulder. So, I, I, look, one yard is embarrassing. There's no question about it. But, I, I you know, I, I don't know what more they necessarily can do. You can't hand the ball off all game long under this uh, this offense that they have tried to construct. Uh, the defense is out there too long. Uh, look, we know it's a mess. It's really just wait to see who they hire. That's where it's going now. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and unfortunately, there are a lot of games to be played. I, I wonder, James, you know, why why was McNulty fired alongside Ash in terms of at least, even though he would be gone at the end of the year, at least having more of a veteran guy as the head coach spot? Because, uh, you know, I get it. Campanelli's a Jersey guy and he's a decent recruiter and he's young, but there's just no way he can handle the head coaching spot at this point. So why, why was a veteran guy let go? That's for the million dollar question around Rutgers. Um, you know, speaking to people kind of close to John, I don't even know if John really knows why he got fired. <laughs> I mean, obviously the offense, I think if you look at it from a you know 30,000 foot view, the offense has struggled so much. You know, they, they were had making had historic low achievements last season and earlier this year with the, you know, with the 50 yards, sub 50 passing with Iowa. Um, I guess like in that sense, like a broad stroke sense, you can say, okay, you understand why they would want to make a change in offensive coordinator, or at least that's the argument for making a change. But I think that's going to prove to be, I think maybe the misfire in this whole thing. I think I, I said on our podcast, I've written it. They had to fire Chris Ash. It, it was just at a point where, you know, the fans, the boosters, it, everyone was tired of looking at him. It, I honestly think it was really fair to him to keep running him out there, um, you know, just at a point where you knew, like, there was no conceivable way after they lost to Michigan the way they did that this was ever going to get pieced together. Like, you never were going to turn the corner. It was time to move on. That being said, I think by firing Nolte as well, you lost a couple things. One, you had a quarterback who, for all his struggles last year, was starting to figure it out. I, you know, he threw for 300 yards against Boston College. He hung in there tough against Michigan, really got pummeled. It was, in hindsight, kind of a heroic performance by Art Zikowski to stand in there in the pocket and take all those hits. You had at least uh, an offensive identity that was starting to take form. You weren't terribly productive. You weren't scoring a lot of points. But you looked like a college. You looked like a Big Ten offense. You got out there. You lined up. I have always said that you could watch every game McNulty coached over the last you know season and you know a quarter or a third whatever ended up being. There were times, especially in the first quarter, on like the first drive of the game, the second drive of the game, where you would see McNulty had a good game plan. Like there were wrinkles. There were I I always go back to the, the game against Ohio State last season. The first two drives, there were plays to be made. Like if Rutgers had the talent and the execution. They may have scored a touchdown or two on the Buckeyes. You know, McNulty had clearly game planned and found weaknesses in the Ohio State defense. He just, you know, a guy would drop a pass, uh, someone would miss a block, and they just could not get over that talent hump to take advantage. But I, I think that you lose that, and honestly, Art Zikowski and Raheem Blackshear are probably still playing if McNulty is the offensive coordinator. Forget about naming him the interim head coach. You know, I've, none of you have said it several times that Art's comfort level. You know, when Pat Hobbs fired McNulty and put all the power into Nunzio Campanelli, he gave him a mandate to shake up the offense. Nunzio, he, shake, he shook up the offense going on what worked for him at Boston College, what he believes in, which is this more of this spread concept, the RPO stuff, his own read. 
that doesn't fit art. It fits Johnny Langan. And I think Art looked at it and said, I'm not going to be in my best position to succeed running this offense. And eventually I'm going to get benched for Johnny Langan because Johnny, we can debate whether or not he should be a quarterback at the big 10 level, but he has more of a skill set that fits Nunzio's vision for the offense. So that's why, I mean, if McNulty's still there, I think Art's playing. I don't think it's about, oh, the team stinks. I want to take a year off. I think it's truly Art looking at it and saying, I don't fit this offense the coach wants to run, and I don't know what the next head coach is going to want to do. So why should I, I should protect myself and not burn a year of eligibility? Blackshear, it's a little bit kind of hazy what his thought process is. Um, we've asked to talk to both kids multiple times. Rutgers mm-hmm. has yet to make them available. I'm hoping at some point they'll be made available. But I think to answer your question, Ash had to go. That was the right move. Yes. I think disrupting it so much by getting rid of McNulty, I think might prove to be the real mistake to kind of turn this from a bad team to kind of like a shambles. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So now Sidkowski and Blackshear, how do they walk back into that room? I, I, I don't think they come back. I don't think they can. I think there are guys who will come back next year who have fought through this. And, and I know as long as you can make a team better, you'll be accepted. But I just don't know how those two guys, whatever their logic was, and you're, you're probably dead on about Sidkowski, and we'll find out more about Blackshear. I don't know how they can walk in, no matter who they hire as the head coach, and say, hey, I'm back. I'm all for, you know, are you? I saved myself an extra year, so that's better for you, coach, better for me, for whatever the future may hold for me. I, I just don't see how that can happen. So I think those two guys are probably going to go somewhere else. So, you know, goodbye and good riddance at this point, even though they're talented players. Yeah, it's kind of a brave new college football world. It I is. mean, obviously, Blackshear is a, a junior. He's draft eligible after this season's over. You know, I think he's a guy who, yes, I would agree with you. I, you know, if you were to put if you could put odds on this in Monmouth Park or in, in Atlantic City, you probably would. The odds would probably favor both of them moving on. I think it's a little bit different with Art, just because he's younger. Um, he took a beating last year when he wasn't ready to play, and you know, again when they chose McLean Carter coming out of training camp. They said the, pl- the hope is to redshirt Art. And now Art's just taking the redshirt. It was just a very convoluted, wacky road to get to him redshirting. So if I had to say right now, I would say, yes, you're right. I think when a, when a player is taking a redshirt like this, when a coaching change is coming, you never think the odds are terribly strong, that, like definite that they're going to be back. But I would say I think there's an easier path back for Art to stay than maybe last year. But no, you're right. I think that that's something you're going to have to sort out with the new head coach. I think whoever the new head coach is, one of the first things he has to do is meet with those two players and figure out where their head was at, what they were thinking, and what they want to do going forward. And Cratch, you know, in hindsight, uh, you can question Hobbs' timing as well. So if he had waited a week or maybe two, we knew Ash had to go. But mm-hmm. then, then, then Blackshear or Sikaski wouldn't have the option to burn the, the uh, red shirt. So th- there's no, the timing that's there too. No, that is true. I, I was all, I was surprised. I always thought in the back of my head that Maryland, which would have been the fifth game, was sort of. I always thought that was going to be if there was going to be a you know an, an in-season firing, that was where you would do it. Just because even at one and three, I mean, I think most people looked at the schedule and said, well, they're going to lose to Iowa, they're going to lose to Michigan, they're going to beat UMass, Boston College is a toss-up. At least they were competitive against BC. You, know, you still could have made an argument that had Rutgers gone into Maryland with at full strength, with a full week of preparation, 
with all its players. If they beat the Terrapins, they're two and three, and now they're beginning this kind of, I always put in quotation marks, no, I can't say winnable, but manageable stretch of games against Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, Liberty. You still could have said it two and three if they beat Maryland. There's a path to a bowl game. Obviously, that path has been closed off quickly. But I always thought they would at least give Ash the Maryland game and give him a chance to get to two and three and give himself a fighting shot. And obviously, if you lose that and you're one and four, the show's over anyway, move on. But I just think that Michigan game was so ghastly that Rutgers kind of got spooked into doing things a week earlier than I, they probably would have made most of them. Yeah. Well, I wonder what the vibe is between the players in the locker room seeing a couple of their healthy brethren, you know, sort of beg out. Uh, and then the next question I would have is, why is Isaiah Pacheco going to hang around for all of this? I mean, he's like the the sacrificial lamb. They just turn around and hand him the ball, and he's a really talented player. I mean, there's someone that I could see at the end of the year saying, you know what, I can go play in one of these bigger conferences and uh, you know, make a difference at one of those places with linemen that can actually knock people off of their, their feet and, and I can make, make some yards. I mean, what, what do you see his future is at Rutgers? That's a great question. I would say if those, if last year in Sikowski, you know, I think Pacheco is also day one, got to, got to sit down with him in the room. I mean, I think it's a good thing and a bad thing for the next Rutgers head coach is the bad thing is this is kind of a new world and, and transfer portal. And with the, the NCAA kind of giving out waivers more, you know, freely than they have in the past guys, kids are going to take their own interest into their own hands. They're going to, you know, look to what out's best for them. And a lot of times they might see the grass being greener on the other side. So I think that's the bad thing for any coach that's taking over that you're taking over a team that's low on talent and you might have your most talented players be gone or walk out or, or move on. The good thing is, so you're, the talent level is so like below Big Ten caliber that I look at this roster and who's scheduled to return in 2020, and I say to myself, there's only maybe 8, 10, 12 kids that you look at the roster and say, like, that would be a devastating blow for Rutgers if they lost them. So in that sense, the new head coach probably only has to focus on a, a handful of kids because I think you know they just recruited so poorly that you know, everyone kept on saying, well, there's going to be mass transfers. And I said, I don't know if there'll be mass transfers just because a lot of these kids on this team, where are they going to go? <laughs> there's so that. many kids in the portal Good that grief. enter the portal and they don't find a place. And, hey, if you're a scholarship player at a Big Ten football team, right. maybe yeah. you don't want to go in the portal and go transfer to F- FCS or Division Two. I think you might see some kids that can graduate, go grad transfer with two years of eligibility. Hey, I got my degree. I'm just going to go have fun and play football somewhere. But I think other guys might say, well, this is the best it's going to get for me. So I'm just going to stay put. Unfortunately, I think alumni and fans want to get into that portal and, and get out of here for a while <laughs> until this, is, this mess can be cleaned up. I mean, Oh, good grief. It just gets worse yeah. after so week after week. Who's going to clean it up? I know you've advocated for Jeff Monk and uh, tell us why you like him and have things changed over the last couple of weeks in terms of your thinking, given what's happened at Army? No, I mean, I think Army, you know, hey, death is always going to be a challenge in Army. My understanding is they're a little bit banged up. I also think that, you know, the, the, the thing is, one of the downsides to the option is there are going to be some weeks where you fall behind schedule and you can't, you, you can't get the fullback working and you don't think to pop the big plays, but no, I mean, I still think that, you know, I, I don't know 
how terribly interested Munkin would be in the Rutgers job. But I think that's he's the coach that Rutgers should go after, or a coach that you know fits the mold. I, I just think I think a lot of times with Rutgers and other college football programs and major conferences that struggle or, or have been struggling for many years, people just kind of have a tendency to sit around and wait for lightning to strike. You know, wait for the big listening facility to pop up. Wait for suddenly all the fans to be in the stadium. Wait for the five-star recruits to start coming. And it can happen. And I think with Rutgers, you look back to what Greg Schiano accomplished and you think, okay, we were on the verge of doing something there. It was about to maybe turn the corner. You know, we can do it again. But I just look at it as, look, Rutgers is not getting the four- and five-star recruits right now really – they're not throwing the ball terribly well. They're, you know, they're not winning. Why not try something different where you take your weaknesses and you almost negate them? You know, if Rutgers is running a flex phone with the triple option as it's bread and butter, you're now recruiting a different set of kids, and they may not be ranked terribly high by 247 sports, but they're still good football players. And the thing that you have going for you is you are now, if, if you're a high school fullback, a traditional fullback, Rutgers is now your best offer. Because most places they're going to take a fullback, and you got to go service academy and all the obligations that come with that. Mm-hmm. You've got to go to a group of five program. Rutgers can say, hey, you can come here and play in the Big Ten, and you can play against the teams that didn't pay any attention to you, no matter how good your film was, no matter what you accomplished in high school. They paid you no time. Come here and go prove them wrong. And I think that could be an appeasing, you know, appetizing selling point for the next Rutgers coach if they were to run that offense. You know, it's almost like there's inefficiencies in the system. Rutgers is good, would be able to try to exploit those rather than copy everyone else and hope they can somehow catch up. So the mindset crash is that you're not going to beat Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan at their own game. So play another game is really what you're saying here. But I think that did it lose a little bit of its luster because th- that was coming off that they took Michigan to the wire. And then mm-hmm. since they've lost to Tulane, they lost to Western Kentucky. So. Uh, and as your colleague said, uh, Politi, um, you know, the, the the same teams, Penn State, Michigan, uh, they will prepare for that flex bone. So because you're, you know, you're in a conference where they'll just be ready for it and they may eat mm-hmm. it up. So that's that's the that's the problem with that offense. No, it definitely is. And like I will readily admit there if Rutgers were to hire a triple option coach, there would be some years where Ohio State would just out athlete them on defense. But I will say this. I think Georgia Tech proved in the ACC, different league that maybe not as top-heavy a league, that you can have success in a conference. I think Paul Johnson beat Florida State in his first year at Georgia Tech. I believe he beat them in his ninth year. So I think that obviously he was playing fewer heavyweight games a year than Rutgers would be in the division. I do think, though, that Rutgers needs to start small. And right now, I think the, 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 the goal should be, first goal on the way back up should be, let's get the 6-6 six and six every year. Let's beat Maryland. Let's beat Indiana. Let's beat the crossover team from the West. Let's win our three non-conference games. Let's get a Go first down. How about that? Yeah, no, yeah. And I'm just saying, I think <laughs> Throw for double-digit yards. If Munkin came in to Rutgers, I think he would be able to get them to a point relatively quickly where they are back at that six and six level. And then at that point, you might pull an upset or two. I mean, just think about the energy that would flow through Rutgers if they would have beat Penn State someday. Mm, would people really complain about the fact that they did it with the triple option? 
It's true. Well, if they don't take your sage advice uh, and hire Munkin as the next head coach, what are some of the other names? I mean, we've heard a few of them, but what what is the latest uh, that you can uh, bring our listeners as to who that next guy might be? Yeah, so I would say, um, you know, obviously Shiano's the big name that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, you know, Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State, a guy who's kind of they're fading a little bit down Mississippi State. That's going to get very interesting. I think he's a you know Pittsburgh native, played and coached at Fordham. You know, was offensive coordinator at Penn State had a lot of success. Has recruited well. I think he's a guy you're going to hear a lot of. You know, Butch Jones at at, at Alabama, an analyst now, but he was coached Tennessee. Um, had a rocky ending there, but he brought in some really strong recruiting classes. Obviously, had a lot of success in Central Michigan and Cincinnati early in his career. Was a graduate assistant here under Doug Graber. Um, trying to think, you know, I, Jason Candle at Toledo, another guy who had a bad loss this past weekend. I don't think necessarily that it's going to be a, like a big wide ranging, um, yeah. number of candidates. I think the names that are kind of out there are going to be the names pretty much to the end. I mean, maybe one or two surprise candidates will emerge. You know, you never know who might con- have their agent contact this searching for first search firm. Now Rutgers has signed up with one. But I think it's going to be a relatively manageable, you know, the five to seven names we've all kind of bounced back are the five to seven names there to the end. I think Rutgers wants to hire a head coach with head coaching experience. I don't think they want to go that coordinator route. Mm, So that kind of really cuts the pool considerably. So, yeah, I would say Shiano, Moorhead, um, Munkin, I'm sure his name will be mentioned. I don't know how serious that is. Um, Candle. Uh, I think Bob Strace at Princeton is kind of an interesting guy as a sleeper just because if you if you listed all the candidates, you know, take Chiano out because he's not coaching. A lot of these candidates, you, know, you mentioned Munkin is now three and three, he's lost two straight. Moorhead struggling in Mississippi State Candle lost. You know, Bob Strace and Princeton, they just keep chugging along and winning games. Mm-hmm. So I could see a guy like him kind of moving up into the conversation mm-hmm. just because he's the guy who's having the most success of the group. We know that, as you said, Ash had to go. But how long can this process drag out? In other words, if Pat Hobbs is not going to be able to name his next guy because that guy is currently coaching somewhere, how many embarrassing losses can they take where the damage is increasingly greater and the job becomes more difficult? That's number one. And number two, if Shiano is really the guy, why the hell don't they name him? He's just sitting at home watching college football on a Saturday or maybe some pro football on a Sunday. He's the one guy that you could announce tomorrow. He could begin the recruiting process. He could begin the healing process. So to me, I know you have this process. It's only been a few weeks and Hobbs is going to want to go through talking to this search, uh, you know, the search firm to find out who might be out there. And he's going to try to say, I've turned over every stone, but if it's Shiano and he's got detractors and supporters, no question what's taking so long because he could turn things around at least in a perception way right away. And the rest of these guys have to wait until December mm-hmm. or January. Well, I think one of the big things is that when they, when they started down this road, they were very adamant that they wanted to give Nunzio Campanelli a legitimate chance to try to potentially earn the job himself. I think at this point, it's pretty clear that mm-hmm. he doesn't have the horses. You know, it was always going to be a daunting task. I thought when he got hired, he's probably got to win four of these eight games, and I don't see how they're going to win four of these eight games. Two weeks in, I'm, I don't know how they're going to win one of these eight games. So I think 
that was their stance, and that's the stance they're sticking with. They said when they fired Ash that they were not going to make a hire until after the season was over. They were hoping to make a hire, you know, two, you know, in the, in the first, you know, three four days after the regular season ends, or I guess the conference championship weekend. Now, I would say, I just see them changing that tone, especially if Chiano like picks up steam once they get to November. Because I think at this point, back to back home games now against Minnesota and Liberty. If Rutgers is embarrassed on Saturday against the Gophers and then loses the Liberty at home the following week, at that point, it's it's pretty clear. It, I mean, it's clear now, but it's definitely clear, okay, Nunzio is not going to be the permanent head coach. Like The, the road for him, the narrow path that he have to take to somehow win the job is it, done now. Maybe it changes there, but as of now, I mean, they seem pretty pretty committed to the timeline they laid out, and I agree with you. You know, as this thing wears on, I think – it could get worse, but I think there's also a chance that, and they might never admit this, but they might prefer this, that at some point people just kind of tune out. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I think, you know, you can only make so many headlines yeah. at Rutgers football. Exactly. Um, and you other news, hope that the Ohio State game is 90 to nothing yeah. or something. You know, you're kind of going to fly under the radar. Yeah, Cumberland uh, all over again. In other news, the water is wet, right? It's yeah. like one of those things. Right. Rutgers played, they lost. Let's move on. Yeah. Well, Crash, my, my concern uh, on, on the Pat Hobbs front and the search here, with specifically with Shiano, is, is there could there be like a. a there's no rapport there. Could be there. Could there be a power struggle there where Shiano wants a, a, a lot? You know, the whole, you know, whole control of the football program, and there's could be something there where it's the, where it's Pat Hobbs and Shiano and not the right relationship. Correct? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the buzz around town that you know these guys have never met each other, they never really interacted, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. It's because you know two guys who've been prominent in you know New Jersey college sports and in New Jersey period for a long time, you know, and two, like, you know, Hobbs was DAD for three years and Shiano was at Ohio State for three years. So like just the idea, they never like got a bumped into each other on the sideline or something for a game, Ohio State Rutgers game or said hello or something. Um, I think that's the thing, but like, again, like it's just until they get in a room, I, I don't know if you can panic or if you're, if you're a pro Shiano person or, you know, be kind of confident if you don't want Shiano back and that's going to be the, the thing that kind of doesn't happen. I think at some point, as my colleague Steve Pudi wrote, like they got to meet, you know, like you, I don't think Rutgers can really move forward or, or have a complete coaching search. If there is not some sort of meeting of the minds between Pat Hobbs and Greg Schiano, where they kind of figure out whether or not they can make it work together. Well, Cratch, I, there's a game that needs to be played on Saturday, and uh, the best news I think is it's a 3:30 kickoff, which is uh, yes. which is nice. Uh, but you know, look, Minnesota six and zero. PJ Fleck coming in here. They got a good quarterback in Tanner Morgan, good running back in Rodney Smith. I mean, they're, they're very good offense. Uh, they're playing very well. I, I would think that PJ Fleck is is down as Rutgers it is would would certainly step on the pedal here and this could be i mean 29 point underdogs now this this could be ugly again it could be um i i think the one thing i think there's there's two factors at play one i i talked to someone last night who said they just had this gut feeling that Rutgers is going to give minnesota a much better effort than they gave indiana just because it's homecoming you know and you know just the kind of the way teams kind of the resolve, you bounce back with something that's so embarrassing, you know, and also the, the fact that, you, Hey, it's PJ Fleck, Rutgers ties, lots of former Rutgers coaches 
on his staff. The other thing that I've had some people suggest to me is, you know, PJ Flack and his assistants, you know, they know Nunzio Campanelli. They know, you know they worked with Anthony. They know and have worked with his brother, Anthony. Maybe there's a little birdie in the back of PJ Flack's head that calls off the dogs a little bit earlier than he would have against Chris Ash coaching just because he doesn't want to embarrass Nunzio. He doesn't want to embarrass Rutgers like that. Um, I don't know if that's a real thing or not a real thing. I think we'll find out. But I do think that that is something that some people have said might come into play. Just that, you know, these coaches and other programs, Rutgers play, like, they know Nunzio because they recruited his kids. You know, there might be sort of that built in, you know, this guy's in a really bad spot. You know, but I, I think one of the things Rutgers has to worry about is with, with the home games against Minnesota, Michigan State, and Ohio State, you only can bring 74 kids on a Big Ten road trip. That's the conference, you know, travel roster limit. So they're not bringing the fourth and fifth string and the team managers to you know, kind of handle the fourth quarter. You know, they're bringing their guys. So they're bringing their first and second team units pretty much, and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're capable kids. So Indiana was able to kind of, eat, you know, just take 10 minutes off the clock on on Saturday and just kind of run it, plunge into the line each time. I don't know if Minnesota is going to have kids that can do that. You know, they're still going to have really good football players on the field, even if they are, you know, pulling back at the end. What kind of a crowd are they expecting? I know you said it's homecoming. I mean, could it be really ugly in that there is not uh, all that many fannies in the stands? And then the next question is, when do the uh, Rutgers diehards start to turn their attention towards Steve Peichel and the men's basketball program, which is right around the corner? In fact, you'll probably hear the balls bouncing when the game is going on. I mean, uh, they should be, you know, they should have a nice season this year. And people might just say, you know what? I've done the football. I've been there and done that, and we're going to lose by 50 points. Let's go check out the hoop team and get ready for that season. Yeah, no, I would say, I, I don't know. Like, I just think homecoming, you know, people plan on coming back. It's sort of a festive best occasion. You know, the team was struggling. It's a celebration. I think they had about 16, 17, 18,000 for the, the Maryland game. I would say, like, maybe around there. I think if you're going to see a massive drop off in attendance, it's going to come Liberty and beyond, I would think. <laughs> I think maybe homecoming might be kind of like the beyond. last like rah rah gap. Mm. And then if the team struggles mightily, then you're gonna kind of see it drop from there. Well James, you were talking in your podcast about where the low point is with Rockers and could it get any lower. But I'm gonna tell you right now the low point has to be the Liberty game. I mean, this is a this is a program, Liberty, that went just went to the FBS in in 2017. Rutgers is at home; you can't even move the ball, struggling on both sides of the ball. And here's Liberty, who's a pretty pretty good team, and this is shaping up to be not only are they, are they going to be underdogs at home against this they team, they can't but lose to this, Liberty, can they? This could be a, an ugly Saturday, and I think that would be the low point. It could be. Um, no, they, they definitely can lose the Liberty. Um, I, I've only watched one Liberty game closely this year, obviously, when Rutgers played on Friday night. Um, Liberty opened the season, I think it was 24 nothing loss to Syracuse. Obviously, in hindsight, we've learned Syracuse is not very good this year. Mm. But Liberty played pretty good defense in that game. They forced a couple of turnovers. You know, they were there. And I think, obviously, you know, Hugh Freeze was sick. You had all that time when he was up in the press box in the hospital bed. I mean, it seems like he's a lot more of an active participant now as a coach now that he, his health has improved. 
Yeah, I, I think Liberty is a team that they've got some talent. I think the big thing too is Liberty, you know, very controversial their their whole situation and the way their athletic department has kind of been on the rise. This is a moment where it doesn't really matter who the team is. Liberty is going to come up here thinking we are about to beat a Big Ten football team oh, in our second year as a member of FBS. Like we are going to clinch bowl eligibility in all these things. I believe they play an FCS team this week. You know, like we're going to be going to a bowl and beat a Big Ten team on their own field. <laughs> like that's a historic moment for Liberty football. You know, like the. Uh, they, they, they have, they have, you know, everyone's written features, all the national papers, you know, sports Illustrated. They, they want to be the evangelical equivalent to Notre Dame. Well, like one of the steps on that ladder is you beat a big 10 team in their own stadium. doesn't really matter what, what the big 10 team's name is and how many people are there, but you beat them. And I think that's the, the motivation Liberty is going to have coming in here. Well, James, thanks for taking some time with us. So we'd like to get you back later in the season, maybe after the big win over Liberty, perhaps we can have you back to (laughs) chat that up under better circumstances, right? Oh, boy. All right, James, thanks so much. That's James Cratch from uh, NJ Advanced Media. You're listening to the RU Review. We're back after a quick word from Zebra Pen. When seeking to find your path to enlightened writing, look to Zebra Pen for products that deliver on style, function, and value. Find Zen in your pen. Zebra Pen. Find us at your local retailer or online at zebrapen.com. And follow us on social media. And we're back on the Zebra Pen RU Review. And as I said, guys, there's a game to be played this uh, Saturday. 3.30 kickoff, which is nice. I mean, so, for, you know, these noon kickoffs, I mean, get, you know, you have to get up to the stadium. You're, you're tailgating at 10.30, 11 in the morning. Yeah. Instead of, uh, you know, instead of egg sandwiches, perhaps we can actually have lunch this time. You know? Yes. Uh, but, um, you know, it's going to be tough. Another tough week. Uh, Minnesota is, is, a ver- is a very good team. They're 20th. They're ranked 20th in the country now. P.J. Fleck coming back to the banks. I mean, it's probably going to be another uh, ugly week. Well, the 3.30 time slot will give you a chance to have a few more adult beverages in your system True. so that watching the game might not be as hard as it would be at 12 noon. But yeah, I mean, let's face it. They're going to get run over again on Saturday. Uh, the the 20th ranked Golden Gophers are coming to town. And I don't really know all that much about them other than they have good quarterback play and a good running back. But um, they're up against it against anyone else they play. They're fighting with with one hand tied behind their back. A lot of their best players are now redshirting. And so uh, Johnny Langan is going to be thrown to the Wolves again, and we'll have to see whether he can at least reach double digits in passing yards this week. Might have to look at this Cole Snyder guy. Put him in and, and try him if, you know, I mean, if he can't. I mean, the concern, and you brought it up a couple times, Matt, I mean, at BC, they wanted to make him a tight end. It's like, you're not a quarterback, son. So here he is starting yeah. for Rutgers here. And I don't and, want to sound like I'm dumping on the guy. Well, I mean, yeah, he's out there know, playing, listen, he's but he's playing just hard. not a quarterback in the he's Big playing Ten. playing hard. He's taking it on, but it's just, just it's a tough, tough call. So oh, Well, and it would yeah. be difficult for a true freshman to play as well, and that's mm. what you're asking in Cole Snyder for him to come off the bench and provide a spark. Right. I think, listen, the best that Rutgers can hope for is that they cover the spread. They're going to go out and try to win. We know that. That's why you play the game. But the fact of the matter is they are undermanned. The spirit has been destroyed. Campanelli is not a head coach. Maybe not his fault. I mean, you know, he he hasn't 
gotten a lot of experience. I don't care how good his high school team was. Mm. Uh, so he's caught between a rock and a hard place. Rutgers can, a miracle can happen. I don't know if it'll take place this Saturday. There will be a team, and there aren't many left on the schedule, that can take Rutgers lightly and lose. Like Ohio State can take Rutgers lightly, and they're still going to mm-hmm. win. With their third team. Illinois, maybe. Liberty, sure. So uh, it may be that Rutgers is able to pull a win out of the rest of their six games, but it's going to be awfully difficult. And that's why I think they've got to make a move on the coach sooner rather than later. If you're going to hire a guy who's currently employed, you have to wait. It's just going to allow Rutgers to be the laughing stock even more. If you did hire Shiano, and I'm not sure he's the guy, but if you did hire someone who at least at this point is available, then you can get the ball rolling that yeah. the times they are changing. But right now, for the next six games over seven weeks, they do have a buy in there. It's going to be very, very difficult for Rutgers to generate anything beyond double-digit losses. Yeah, well, you bring up a good point. If it is going to be Shiano and they don't announce that until the season's over— why? What? What was the? What was the holdup? As you mentioned, he could be out. He could be the face of the program. Uh, I don't know whether he'd be allowed to go out and recruit players per se, but you know, through the grapevine, wink, wink, nod, nod. Hey, I'm the new coach, and I had some success here. And um, you oh know, no, you can go out. I mean, he would be at Friday night games and Saturday games. He, in fact, would have more time to do that. You know, you see coaches do that all the time. You know, last week we talked about Joe Moorhead and. You know, there was a story in one of the Mississippi papers saying that his staff had been out. He and his staff had been out at X amount of games, you know, leading up to uh, it wasn't the Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. It was the week before. But at any rate, you know, I don't know all the NCAA rules, but yeah, no, Shiano would be out there. At the very least, the headlines would be out there. Right. You know, That's and he could exactly call up right. high school coaches and say, hey, I'm back. But I'm not sure he's going to be the guy. That's right. what's interesting. Everyone, you know, and, and who of those guys gives you any real juice? But like, I, like, I don't even think he is that, you know, you, I mean, he had success here, but then it wasn't, you know, sustained all that long. And then he was gone and, and the NFL was, was a, not a great look. Yeah. But that's, that's look. in the rear view mirror, but he's got the biggest name in New Jersey. Yeah. Joe Moorhead well, won't get Matt, that tell many me, people excited. Matt, tell me this. What's the point of the search, uh, a company that came in that they hired is that a standi- standard operating yeah, procedure? A lot of teams is, is, do that. is it a buffer for Pat Hobbs? It's to a say, CYA. Well, this I think is, it's a CYA mode. It's a little you know? bit of that, and okay. I, I think it, it is a little bit of. And if Shiano, if Shiano was the plan, would they bother, or is that just a, or, or is it maybe is it a uh, you have to go through that negotiating process, right? tactic as well? I mean, if you're no, I don't think I don't think Shiano's their guy. I think if it was, Pat Hobbs would have announced it as he announced that the coaches had been fired. And I've turned the reins over to Greg. Meanwhile, Nunzio is going to be our interim head coach, and we're going to start anew in 2020. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's the guy. But in terms of uh, the search committees, there is no one or the search firms. It's like any company hires a headhunter. Mm -hmm. Not every CEO can know every director of marketing who's the up-and-comer. Not every athletic director can know who is someone that we might want to hire other than the obvious. And Pat Hobbs can't take every phone call. He's got to go, hey, talk to the the search firm, and then we'll— Well, Well, then, yeah, you're you're depending on them to be the clearinghouse. But, yeah, there's some of that that will go go on. But, obviously, he will have guys he wants to talk Mm -hmm. to. But those guys are there, A, to do a little deep dive— 
Like, is there anything we should worry about? Coach X That's at, it. Yeah. you know, East State U in the middle of the country. He looks like a rising star. Is there something that's going to bite us in the butt yeah. that we don't know about? So they'll do all those background checks. Uh, and then Hobbs will be able to say, okay, these are the ones we've narrowed it down to. These are the guys you've suggested. These are the guys I want to talk to. By the way, they will do a deep dive in, uh, on the investigation front on those guys as well. He'll sit down and he'll talk to eight guys maybe, uh, seven guys, and then, you know, he'll make his decision. Well, there's been a lot of speculation about Chiano, but there's certainly there's a discussion has been had with Rutgers officials at some level. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. Oh, there's so, no question. A lot of uh, so you know, you're saying since it's, since it's not done yet, that that's a very much a you, you would doubt whether it's even going to happen. I, I yeah, that's it. Exactly. I, I don't know what the delay would be if Pat Hobbs is convinced if the big money guys at Rutgers are convinced this is the guy, why hasn't it happened yet? Why hasn't it happened yet? Mm-hmm. What, what are you question. waiting for? Another 30 point loss? I mean, you know, James Cratch told us that Rutgers wanted to give Nunzio Campanile a chance. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No chance. Well, Especially never mind. N- never mind. That. Goes- never mind. I mean, he. He's not a miracle worker. And maybe in some at some point in his career, he might be a better coach than Chris Ash. We know he's got his flaws. He was terrific in high school, yeah. Yeah. Whole I different know. No, I know. whole different level. You yep. can't compare it. No. But maybe he'll be a head coach someday. But you got to give him some talent. He had no talent. He changed the offense so that two of his best players decide to sit out. Like, really? And by the way, if would would Pat Hobbs actually, unless Campanilli ran the table, which he wasn't going to do with that schedule, even if he went four and whatever, I, however many games they had on the schedule, he's played two already. They got six left. So yeah. even if he went four and six, mm-hmm. would he really give him the job? Exactly. <laughs> he would have had to beat Ohio State and Michigan yeah. and Penn State. Be a miracle and, or, and Michigan yeah. State, not Michigan. Right. Uh, Michigan State, Penn State, mm-hmm. Ohio State. He would have had a one on the road against Indiana. He would have had to be the miracle worker that he's not because he doesn't have the ability mm. uh, because of his talent level. And then Rutgers probably would have still – would Pat Hobbs have stood up in front of a packed media crowd with alumni, the deep pocket guys all over the place, former players in the NFL, all in a big room on the campus and going, I'd like to introduce our new guy who's going to lead us to that Rose Bowl that I said we want to get to. That's our goal. Here he is. 43-year-old Nunzio Campanilli. Yeah. Who went four and six. He would if he hey. if he went four and six with the talent he has, he not only would have been the Big Ten coach of the year, he may have been the national yeah. coach of the year with that. Score. So it wasn't going to happen. And even if it did, is that yeah. that would have been needle in the haystack. Like yeah. we didn't know that the guy who was deeply buried on our coaching chart. It's not like he was a defensive coordinator. It's not like he was an offensive coordinator. He was deeply buried on our own coaching chart. Somehow, the sun came out out and shined. The rainbows were everywhere. The butterflies were flying. We found our guy. There was no way that was happening. Zero. Well, the biggest story moving forward is this coaching search because the product on the field is just rough. It's week in, week out. It's just rough. Again, 3.30 kickoff at SHI Stadium. They play Minnesota. Of course, follow it. And, when will uh, they finally add the T to that stadium? Man, I mean, come on. Haven't we crossed that barrier? Better right days now? are coming. They, they have to. There have to be better days. It can't and, be and, worse. And they are coming. So that's the RU review 
for this week. I'd like to thank James Cratch from NJ Advanced Media for coming on with us. I'm Steve Tischner with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey, and we'll catch you all next week. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Zebra Pen. Bye-bye.